Chapter Thirteen of Overruled by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. There ought to be. Glyde Douglas stood at the door of the tenement house, which was Susie Miller's home, awaiting admission. She had called before several times, but had failed to meet any of the family. During the day, Susie was at the factory. So indeed was her mother much of the time and as Glyde's calls had to be made in the daytime, she knew nothing as yet of Susie's home life. But on this day she expected to gain admittance. A guest was in the home that even the factory respected. Mrs. Miller had not been at work for several days, and on this morning Susie's loom was silent, and word went quietly among the workers near it that Susie Miller's little sister was dying it will be an awful blow to susie the homely red-haired girl who worked next her said her usually harsh voice soft with sympathy it is that little curly-haired young one that she is so proud of a cute little thing i'm awful sorry for her it's hard on susie volunteered an older girl but after all it's the best thing that could happen to the young one probably that house is just running over full of children and the millers are as poor as poverty what chance is there for any of em why isn't it better for them to die and be out of it all before they understand what a mean place this world is this phase of the subject was freely discussed the weight of testimony being on the side of sticking it out and seeing what would come of it something might happen Meantime, Glyde heard by accident of the child's illness, and was waiting at the door. Somewhat frightened, it is true, serious illness in any form was new to her, and of death she knew nothing, but of course she ought to call. Susie opened the door to her. The girl's eyes were red with weeping, and she burst into tears again at the sight of her teacher. She said it was true, she supposed. Nanny was going to die. The doctor hadn't been there since yesterday, but he said then he couldn't do anything, and Ma said she knew that the baby was worse. A strange revelation was that home to Glyde Douglas. The way to the little bedroom where the child lay led through the main living room of the family. Sometime during the morning there had been an attempt at breakfast the odor of fried pork was distinctly in the air and the soiled dishes and pork rinds still lay about on the bare table that had been pushed into one corner the coal in the cook stove had burned itself to a red glow and the room was stifling huddled into corners in various stages of dishevelment curiosity and terror were gathered the little millers of all ages there was very little furniture in the room, and the carpet that covered part of the floor was so worn that unwary feet must constantly have been tripped by it. Within the bedroom, which to Glyde's horror was absolutely dark save for the light that filtered in from the large room, tokens of poverty were still more marked. The bed on which the child lay gasping for breath seemed to the eyes of the horror-stricken girl but a bundle of rags, but the mother had as intense a look of agony on her haggard face as ever mother wore, and her voice, as she bent over her dying baby, was tenderness itself. Clearly here was love, 
struggling with ignorance and poverty mother said susie here is miss douglas come to see if there is anything she can do my teacher you know at the mission mrs miller gave her one quick glance and nod then turned her eyes back to the child as she said it's too late susie to do anything oh my baby my baby what shall i do the old cry wrung from a mother's heart in the midst of the awfully incongruous surroundings poor glyde had never in her life felt so utterly powerless she made an effort in search of what seemed to her the first necessity ought she not to have air she said she breathes so hard it is dreadfully warm and close here the mother turned heavy eyes on her inquiringly where would i get it she asked i couldn't have the outside door open the young ones would get their deaths and it would be bad for her the doctor said we mustn't let no wind blow on her and we can't get the windows up they are nailed in and pasted up we had to to keep from freezing the child died of course how could it do otherwise then began another phase of glyde's education in watching the preparations for the funeral they chose at much inconvenience to themselves and against the judgment of the physician to wait until sunday for the service it seems as if i must the mother said sunday is the only day that poor folks have time even to cry her neighbors from the other tenement houses gathered after factory hours and cleaned and made that living-room habitable then they spared each a chair or two from their meagre stores until there were seats for all meanwhile the wardrobe not only of the mother and susie but of all the little ones was a source of no small anxiety tain't decent not to have a bit of black about em somewheres so the mother argued poor little wretches they all loved her dearly and they was as quiet as mice that day she was so bad get a black ribbon for em do i'll make it up somehow and a few bits of black ribbon can't cost much it was then glyde learned that while the very wealthy and aristocratic will sometimes ignore altogether the custom of wearing black and the moderately poor and respectable can often be easily persuaded to follow such example those in abject poverty who have not yet discovered the latest fashions cling to their black dresses and ribbons and veils as tokens of love for their dead the same thought appeared in other ways glyde was indefatigable during those two intervening days she secured warm flannels for the living children and in several cases the much-needed shoes she discovered in somebody's storeroom a half-worn overcoat for the little boy she brought a warm flannel sack for the mother she furnished from mrs edmonds's kitchen nourishing food for the half-starved family but it was when on the morning of the funeral she had brought a wreath of choice flowers tied with white satin ribbon that the young ladies of the church bible class had sent to lay on the little coffin that the poor mother broke into tears and exclamations of gratitude flowers in march on her baby's coffin and tied with soft white satin ribbon in unstinted quantities seemed to mean more to her than clothing and food she cried again when mrs macpherson in whose attic the little overcoat had been found 
send her carriage for the mother and the half-drunken father and all the little millers to crowd into and ride to the grave here too was what she seemed to consider a love token to the waxen-faced baby who was riding in state in front of them other discoveries glide made during those three days when the millers by reason of their bereavement came into prominence among their neighbors it was bill sieber the worse than worthless fellow against whom she had exhausted her ingenuity in warning susie who was on the alert day and night to serve them all it was he who looked after certain homely details for the heavy-eyed mother it was he who watched over the irresponsible father to see that he did not drink enough to disgrace his dead child it was he who superintended the arrangement of the chairs on the day of the funeral and who moved the heavier pieces of furniture out of the way and received and seated the neighbors as they filed in and placed susie beside her mother in the carriage and tucked all the little millers swiftly and quietly into place alert thoughtful eager to serve certainly a mine of strength was bill sieber during those trying days glyde could see how in a sense susie was not only grateful to him but proud of him perhaps his virtues showed in stronger light because of the utter absence of young men of a higher grade in vain did glyde when she awakened to the importance of such influences try to secure some of the young men from the mission to attend the miller baby's funeral a few of them were engaged in christian work elsewhere at that hour but the majority needed it for rest for dinner for whatever they chose to do and could not be made to see the importance of sacrificing their own ease and inclination for even a single sunday so impressed did glyde become with the power of these minor matters that failing in others she hinted her desire to her brother-in-law and was sorry afterwards that she did so for he came and walked decorously beside marjorie edmonds to and from the little factory cemetery where these people buried their dead glyde was beginning to feel rather than see reasons why this should not have been all things considered the trouble that came to the miller family was an education in several ways to this young christian worker an education that troubled her she told over some of her thoughts to marjorie as they sat together in the latter's parlor one afternoon there are so many puzzling things about it all marjorie one doesn't know what to try to do take those millers for instance they are representative of quite a large class poor much poorer than they need be on account of whiskey it is dreadful to think how many of these factory people drink up their earnings yet see how they have managed they had no bread in the house yesterday and no credit with which to get it but they had to have black dresses and a bit of crape on their bonnets and all that sort of thing isn't it sad marjorie to think of their poor hard-earned money being spent in that way if they could have taken it beforehand and bought flannels for the baby and good milk for her to drink and a decent bed for her to sleep on it would have saved her life perhaps but saved it to what i am so distressed when i think of it all that it seems as though it would break my heart see how they go on for generations no improvement i presume mrs miller's mother was such another as she 
and i am afraid susie will be much the same why mrs miller simply does not know how to make her room clean while as for bread she would have to buy the miserable stuff they get at the bakery in any case because she has not the least idea how to make it she doesn't know what to do with the meat she buys in order to get any nourishment from it why she doesn't even know how to manage her coal fire and as for making a home for those children oh dear what chance is there that she will ever know any of these things how is she to learn no homes worthy of the name are open to her she represents at least a dozen other families right around her who are not one whit better off than she yet they manage to dress themselves in a way to look very bright and stylish interrupted marjorie the younger ones i mean your susie for instance i could but notice her when she came out in her new winter hat it was quite in the style as to shape and had fully as many flowers as the fashionable people wear i know it and that illustrates what i am talking about they have no sense of the relative value of things or rather values have changed places they must have new bonnets and dresses made in the prevailing style even though the children go shoeless and all of them without proper underwear susie spends her wages largely on herself and thinks that she must do so and her mother sympathizes with her there's another thing about susie that perplexes me you remember i told you how distressed i was at her being so much on the street evenings but there is excuse even for that think of their one room marjorie with not a decent chair in it with the father forever puffing away at an old pipe when he is at home with children of all ages forever underfoot not only but quarrelling and crying and shouting with one stuffy little lamp that smokes as constantly as the master of the house does add to all this the perpetual smell of the last pork and onions that were fried mingled with bad whiskey and what sort of a place is it for a girl like susie to invite a friend into she cannot even ask bill sieber to come in and take a seat for the chances are that there will not be a whole chair to give him what is she to do how shall she be taught that she must not put on her pretty bonnet and her stylish-looking coat and parade up and down the nice gaily lighted streets where the well-dressed people walk i confess to you marjorie that the whole problem is such a hopeless tangle to me that i am lost in it there ought to be a room a home where girls like susie could come with their work and their books and their friends and have comfortable sittings and pleasant surroundings and learn how people live i do not mean young women's christian associations nor clubs nor guilds nor anything of that sort those are blessed of course but they are on a large scale who is it that says they are homes spelled with a capital h that expresses it there ought to be little homes scattered about where those young people could drop in and feel that they belonged and could make cups of tea or plain little stews occasionally for their friends they ought to be shown how to do all these things not by classes not in large numbers but by the half dozen or sometimes by only two i can invite them to my mother's parlor you think and so i can and do and you invite them here 
i have by no means forgotten all the delightful things you and your mother have done and are doing for my girls but i am talking about something else now i don't want them always to have to come ever so far away from their homes and the streets where they live for their happy times the home ought to go down to them and make a centre for them to gather in and get ideas a college settlement for instance suggested marjorie yes or no not quite that either that is too large it has a secretary and a board and is managed don't you know what i mean if i had a home of my very own here a soft flush suffused itself over her earnest face and could put it where i liked i should like to go right down among them and have a large cheery homely sitting-room that on certain evenings for instance should belong to susie miller to manage as she would and between times i should like to show her how to manage she laughed a little over this and added you think me an idiot and perhaps i am but there are certain experiments that i should like to try whether or not susie miller is being educated glyde douglas certainly is this was mrs edmonds's remark after glyde had left them she had sat apart a silent amused listener to the girl's eager outburst marjorie gave a detailed account of the conversation in her letter to mr maxwell and closed with the following in short when a certain paul burwell gets ready to set up his home may i be near enough to observe its workings for little mrs paul that is to be is certainly getting ready to undertake some astonishing experiments oh but she is delicious such a rest from all the other girls and it is such a comfort to me to think that the young man is evidently ready to meet her more than half way she does not suspect that i know it but the mouse gets some of her most startling ideas from him just as i have no doubt that he gets some of his sweetest ones from her indeed leonard i believe they will be a couple after my own heart End of chapter 13